Faced with an uncertain future, many business owners and technology professionals don't have the time needed to invest in their business technology strategies. And as a result, they're afraid of their technology getting outdated and putting their company and customers' information at risk. The digital future is already here, but with all different choices in the marketplace, it's difficult to know which one will be the best fit for you and your strategic vision. Imagine having the peace of mind that your business is backed by the right technology investments that are tailored for your specific needs. Hi, I'm Brian Nichols, and I've helped countless business owners and technology professionals just like you, helping you make informed decisions about what technologies are best to invest in for your business. Voice, bandwidth, cybersecurity, business continuity, juggling all the aspects of business technology is messy. Let me help. Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash help and sign up for a free one-on-one -on -one consultation with yours truly to dig deep into where you see your company heading and how we can align your business technology towards those goals. Again, that's briannicholsshow.com forward slash help to get your simplified business technology started today. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us on, of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, and today we're going to be talking about a topic of conversation that's been sweeping the the interwebs, especially over the past few days. If you missed it, uh, we have uh, our guest today, Arthur Long. He's joining us from uh, Chicago, and specifically, he's going to be talking to us today about the disinformation conference that just took place and uh, how a bunch of uh, student activists were able to poke holes in some of the largest corporate media entities out there just by asking a few simple questions. Arthur Long, welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, Brian, thanks so much for having me on today. You got it, Arthur. Well, hey, let's dig into this because I'm just astonished. I saw this tweet thread you, you did here back on, uh, it was April 8th, so it would have been Thursday, Friday? Friday, like, I can do math. Um, and you said, over the past 72 hours, Chicago thinkers, student journalists have eviscerated the mainstream media at uh, U Chai Politics, which is the University of Chicago Institute for Politics, and their disinformation conference in the thread. You talk about how David Axelrod, who's a senior uh, advisor for Obama, he gets eviscerated. You have, um, let's see, Anna Applebaum, she gets eviscerated. Our good friend Brian Stelter. Uh, we have Jonah Goldberg and a bunch of other who are promoted to be these uh, titans of corporate media truth. And honesty, Arthur, uh, all of a sudden, a couple of uh, just basic questions from some college kids made some uh, some very famous and powerful people look a little silly. But before we get there, let's introduce you to the Brian Nichols Show audience. Obviously, um, you know they're looking to, inter uh, to get to know who you are. So let's give you a chance here. Introduce yourself to the audience. And uh, how did you find yourself here in this position where... Your, your organization over at uh, the uh, the Chicago Thinker are now all of a sudden embroiled in one of the biggest media controversies over the past few years. Sure. So thanks again for having me on, Brian. Uh, I'm a second year at the University of Chicago. That's our fancy way of saying sophomore. Um, I'm from uh, New York City, New York. Uh, I lived there for 16 years and now I live just outside the city. So uh, I'm, I'm not new to uh, you know, mainstream politics and uh, the liberal media. But uh, I joined the Chicago Thinker, which is uh, the university's uh, conservative and libertarian newspaper, um, because I, I care about the truth. And our, our motto is outthink the mob. And what you see on college campuses across the country, and you see it in the mainstream media, is this groupthink um, and uh, this mob just pushing one narrative and one agenda. 
Um, so I became a staff writer at the Chicago Thinker um, just to challenge that a little bit. And there's usually just one narrative on these college campuses across the country. And uh, that's what you saw at this disinformation conference. Uh, David Axelrod, who was a senior advisor to President Obama, he invited you know, all these professors and big academia, um, you know, big mainstream media and uh, big government to come and talk about disinformation. And um, they thought it was going to be this three day echo chamber for the narratives that they continually push. And uh, what ended up happening was uh, three of my colleagues who were covering the event asked some real tough questions. Um, and that's what we do here is we think critically. We care about the truth, which unfortunately not many in the mainstream media do anymore. And they were not well equipped to handle those questions. <laughs> so I, I saw this uh, this post over the weekend and it was talking about how Ben Shapiro um, really made his career of going to college campuses and just exposing leftist myths by just ex I mean, just by answering them in such blunt and obvious matter of fact ways when the questions were posed, and you hear that the insanity in a lot of the questions that were were posed to, uh, to you know, not just Ben Shapiro, but you know that that was the kind of thing, right? The Ben Shapiro destroys. That was the the big uh, YouTube. Um, that, that that would get you a million clicks. You put a Ben Shapiro des uh, destroys video up. Oh my God, your your YouTube uh, career is set. But what's funny is what you guys just showed is the exact opposite in this case, where rather a bunch of college kids just by doing the journalist's job better than they are, now are exposing the hypocrisy at the corporate level. So we saw this, you know, the, the, what was happening behind the, the walls of academia. You know, I'm obviously older than you are, and I saw it back when I was in college. I'm sure you're seeing it even more so right now, which we're obviously going to dig into later in the episode. But it is interesting to see that now we can really have it on full display where, my, to quote Michael, uh, Michael Scott, my, 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 how the turntables, uh, you're really seeing now an opportunity for us to just sh you know, to highlight and showcase the, the hypocrisy, the, um, the, the blatant, um, and I think this is the, the part that is driving the most people crazy, the blatant gaslighting, being told what is misinformation when, in, in to the point, the, the number one question that was raised was about the, the censorship of the Hunter Biden emails from, uh, on behalf of the New York Post. They, they go out, they have an article that could literally change the election based on Hunter Biden's uh, laptop being found and having some very damning emails that talk about the big guy. And all of a sudden, that conversation not only cannot be talked about, it can't be shared. If you do, you're going to get suspended on social media but that's not disinformation. No. What did Ann Applebaum say? I'm sorry. It's totally irrelevant. I don't think I found it interesting. Arthur, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, Brian, it's ridiculous. I mean, and, and this is what where the hypocrisy is, is you know, libertarian, conservative, you know, right of center speakers come to college campuses. They get shouted down. They don't even have an opportunity to speak. But when these media luminaries, these corporate um, journalists come and they speak at U Chicago. All we want to do is debate ideas. We want to talk about what the truth is. We want to have an honest, disciplined conversation about what's actually occurring. And you saw that we asked honest questions about Hunter Biden's laptop and Ann Applebaum just completely avoided it. She said it, she didn't think it was irrelevant. She didn't think it was relevant. Um, she didn't find it interesting. Uh, and then uh, Jonah Goldberg, he responded to my thread on Twitter and he called the question trollish. It was not a trollish question. My, my uh, colleague, Daniel Schmidt, asked a well-documented, honest question 
um, that uh, 16% of voters said that they might have voted differently if they knew what was going on. And then he, Jonah Goldberg, went on further to say that uh, my the publication, the newspaper I'm part of, the Chicago Thinker, um, were too thirsty. And what I'd say to Jonah Goldberg is um, the only thing we're thirsty for is the truth. Um, we're parched of the truth in mainstream journalism. And if Jonah and his friends at MSNBC and CNN did their job on reporting on the facts, then we wouldn't have this uh, this issue. But the real problem is these these journalists and um, you know these these politicians they operate in this echo chamber where it's just one narrative and they don't know how to respond and they don't have any commitment to the truth, which should be the foundation of all journalism. Yeah, and and what we're gonna do here, I'm actually gonna I'm glad you brought up our good friend Jonah Goldberg because there are a lot of libertarians who give him a little bit too much love, and I I'm not here for it because he I would say is is much in this camp of creating the narrative and then refusing to respond to anything but his narrative. And and this was seen in one of the clips here that you guys shared. I'm going to go ahead and we're going to share our screen here. Now, mind you, this is uh, live, folks, so hopefully we're not going to mess things up too much here. All right. Stand by. Okay. So here's our good friend, Jonah Goldberg, saying that he doesn't buy that the Hunter Biden laptop cover-up had any impact on the 2020 election and that it was, quote, a preposterous counterfactual. Take a listen. We talk about A to C, they now think that if only the media had told us about the laptop at the time, as the kid yesterday was suggesting, which I don't buy his you know, theory, that Trump would have won. You know, but for the censoring of the New York Post, Trump would have won. And it's, I think it's a preposterous counterfactual, but it's also an, it's impossible for me to refute. In the same way, I cannot refute that this bottle is keeping all the polar bears away, right? Um, I mean, do you see any polar bears? Right? I, cannot, I, I cannot prove the negative. And, um, and this is just a, it's, it, it has now become. Can we lock the doors just in case? <laughs> it, is, it has been wrapped into a much larger narrative. And, um, and so when they hear disinformation, they say, oh, you mean like Hunter Laptop, which actually turned out to be true? Talk about And, and that right there is what drives me crazy, Arthur, the, because. Going back to my point, he has created the narrative. Well, this would not have had an impact. And, and that it's, it's a, a, a preposterous counterfactual. And he's basically now, in turn, creating an unfalsifiable claim. Because you, not only can you not prove that it would have had a direct impact, but he can't prove it wouldn't have. So the exact opposite is true. And the fact that he can't get out of his own ivory tower and come down with us plebs and see how just insane that this conversation looks like to your average person and i know that the people that are listening to him must be you know just just resounding applause because he's speaking truth where it needs to be spoken uh and yet is it truth or or is it dare i say misinformation right no brian you're entirely right and that that's one of my big issues with all of this is just the the elitism and the pompous tone that all of these journalists came and spoke with at this conference and You've spoken before uh, on, on your podcast um, about two things that I, I really want to touch on when it comes to journalism and media. Um, the first is empathy. Um, none of us are perfect. We're going to make mistakes, particularly um, in the world of news. Uh, it moves very quickly and it's possible to write something, report on something that ends up not being true. That's okay. It happens. Um, but it seems that nobody in the mainstream media 
wants to be honest and is humble enough to admit their fault. And the second thing, I think you touched on this on a recent episode of yours, is convictions. Um, People have lost trust in the media because lots of the media personalities they see are void of any conviction. Um, They don't have any commitment to the truth. It's everything is seen through a partisan lens and they're trying to push a certain political point. So I think if we saw you know, a, a return of, of honesty, of admitting to your own mistakes, and some journalists who had some convictions and who were grounded in the truth, we'd see a restoration of the public's trust. But until that happens and this elitism continues to reign, I, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, let's go over to the man who I've heard has the most reliable of sources, one Brian Stelter, because he was confronted in terms of, well, you see this um, this reoccurring issue where a story will be put out by, I don't know, CNN. They'll run with a narrative, and it happens to be a very anti-conservative or just anybody right of center uh, piece. And then you'll have this narrative make the, the news headlines for three, four, five, six days. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's found not to be true. And then it quietly is retracted, and nothing is said. And it just seems to be... Coincidentally, this is all happening on one side of the political aisle. Let's take a listen. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop. My name is Christopher Phillips. I'm a first year at the college. Uh, my question is for Mr. Seltzer. Uh, you've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation. Uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. They pushed the Justice Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, is it time to finally declare that the uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media and CNN in particular seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence or is there something else behind it? Now, I probably wouldn't have asked the question that way, Arthur, to be candid. However, I'll appreciate the question being asked to Brian Stelter of all people. So I just wanted to say, folks, that, that maybe you could reframe that, right? But I think for the point being proven here that the uh, the, the response that elicits from Brian, uh, Brian Stelter, definitely worth it. Too bad. It's time for lunch. Uh, you have thirty seconds. No, I mean Brian. there's a, there's a clock that says thirty seconds. But but I think my honest answer to you, and I will I'll come over and talk in more detail after this, is that I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy. All these networks, all these news outlets, have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, but. When Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden? The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business that people don't see, that people don't hear. They imagine that it's a a situation that simply is not. But I think your question, it speaks to the failure of journalism to show our work and show the reality of how our profession operates. 
we have a lot of work to do, I think. It's all our fault, but it's not my fault. That's what I heard, at least. Um, so, yeah, we, ha- we have uh, particularly tan Brian Stelter. I think he took the, uh, the Trump tanning regimen here, uh, very orange. Uh, but he was talking about that, that argument, Arthur. It's a popular right-wing sentiment. Is it, though? No, it's not. And, and you're right. It seems like Brian spent a lot of time in a Chicago tanning salon before this event, but uh, it's, it's not. And, and this is the issue is Fox News. Fox News isn't innocent either. Fox News makes mistakes, too. But this was a perfect opportunity for Brian to take a moment and say, look, we messed up. We did make these mistakes. And and what that would have done is it would have restored some faith. He always talks about r- restoring faith in media. We have all this work to do. Do your job, do it correctly, apologize and take some responsibility when you mess up. And that's how you're going to restore this faith, uh, not by saying it's a popular right wing narrative. No, it's the truth. And that's what people want. They don't want to hear about you, you know, reaching out to journalists in Ukraine when they're in a fire or yelling at a Biden aide. They want to know about the truth. Um, so I think if, if Brian really just took the opportunity there and said, hey, look, we messed up. We're trying to do a better job. It would have been a lot better for him. But instead, he kicked the can down the road and just refused to really answer the question. Well, and and not only did he refuse to answer the question, but and I think the audience saw this as well. I was kind of teasing at it that he he started out by saying, well, uh, by the way, his voice, the inflection just makes my skin crawl because everything just sounds like the upward inflection at the end of the sentence. And I just, ah, um, but also like he starts out saying that, well, it must be the channel that you're watching is a different channel than I watch. And then he concludes by saying, but it's us, the fault of the journalists that we haven't done a good job. And then it's like, well, is it the channel that you watch then that's also not doing a good job? And again, it, it goes back to, well, there's a problem, but it's not me. It's like it's a morbidly obese person. Now, I can say that as a former 385-pound guy, like, I can do this. But, like, it's very easy to be like, well, it's not my fault. It's genetics. Like, that's, yeah, that's an easy cop-out. Or, I'm big bone. That was always a fun one. But the reality is, no, you're putting too much food in your mouth, Brian. Stop doing that. And that was the the moment where you start to see, ah, an epiphany. Things change. And uh, it's, it's sad because... Are things going to change in, in the world of CNN? I highly doubt it. But then also, take it a step further, and we're going to talk about the second part of this uh, in terms of how it's ex- impacted you directly, but talk about an era of COVID where the word disinformation, health misinformation has been tossed around so loosely, especially by not only uh, members of the administration, but also elected officials. And we have Senator Amy Klobuchar, who she refuses to define what disinformation is at a disinformation conference. Take a listen. Hi, thank you all for coming. My question is for uh, Congresswoman Klobuchar. No, Senator. Senator. No, no, no. Good. (laughs) So my my apologies. Um, You introduced um, the bill that you talked about today that would punish social media companies like Facebook and Twitter for having health misinformation on their platforms. And I'm going to ask you, if, if I were to say that there are only two sexes, male and female, would that be considered misinformation that you think should be banned uh, speech on social media platforms? Okay, I'm not going to get into what misinformation. First of all, I think the bill you're talking about is different than the one we've mostly been talking about. So I want to make that clear. We've been talking about the competition bill, 
Um, but there is another bill that I have on vaccine misinformation. It is that specific in a public health crisis. You wonder why you get that specific? Um, it's because we're trying to find carve-outs that I did with, this was with Ben Ray Lujan, um, that got to, that you can't have immunity as a social media company if you are broadcasting uh, vaccine uh, misinformation. Misinformation, misinformation. We hear that word all day long, Arthur, yet she can't even define what misinformation is. And I think right now, and I, I always say this when I'm talking in my episodes, your average person, right? That's who we're talking to. Hello, average person. Um, your average person is waking up to this. They realize that this is is complete insanity, that you have people who are making rules and then using words that they don't even know what the words mean, nor can they define the words to use as justification for these rules. The emperor has no clothes. And you're experiencing this firsthand, right? You're a college kid and you've had to go. Now, I, I know it was rough being a libertarian slash conservative on college campus back when I was in school, but I can't even imagine what it's like right now in, especially in, in an era of COVID. Now, I heard horror stories. Uh, we had our buddy Trent Ortner, who was in the program, talking about some some pretty bad stuff in terms of kids' Wi-Fi's possibly t- being turned off or, you know, just basically unvaxxed kids being treated like second-class citizens. Arthur, you are the example of that. You've had to experience this firsthand. Talk to us about your experience being a college student who, A, is a healthy um, a healthy athlete who you play football, um, who, B, is a young male who is at risk, higher risk for myocarditis, and, and C, um, you are healthy. Again, I keep on saying the word healthy. You are a healthy individual. Therefore, do you really need to be forced to take an experimental uh, vaccine that's going to stop you from getting COVID, stop you from getting sick from COVID. I, what does it do again? I forget what it's supposed to do. Is it, it's like the mask thing. My mask keeps me safe and your mask keeps you safe from ourselves. I'm confused. Talk to us though, Arthur, your experience being a uh, not, not only a conservative libertarian, but especially in the era of COVID and what you've had to experience. Yeah. So the, the University of Chicago mandated the vaccine last May. And uh, after speaking to my parents and my cardiologist, I was not going to get the vaccine. Uh, I had COVID before. I have natural immunity, which you know now it's showing that natural immunity is just as effective or more effective than the vaccine. M- maybe Amy Klobuchar's uh, bill would have called that misinformation and uh, not allowed that to be uh, spread on social media. But um, I do have natural immunity, and I'm a healthy 21-year-old athlete. Uh, I'm not at risk for COVID. Um, so I showed up to football camp and uh, during preseason camp, uh, I was woken up, uh, banged, uh, my doors banged on in the morning by some university officials. And they told me that I had to move out of my room with my roommate to a single room because unvaccinated students can't live with other students. Um, and then over the course of the next three or four months, uh, I lost access to my Wi-Fi. Uh, I was locked out of my room. I lost key card access to university buildings um, just because uh, I would not get the vaccine. And uh, I had, you know, a medical exemption from my cardiologist citing studies on the, how the rate of myocarditis vaccine induced myocarditis is higher in young males and that it's not worth it. And they, the university for a long time said, you know what, we're not going to accept these studies. You have to get it. And I just kept on battling and battling. And ultimately I won out and, the university accepted my exemption and I'm proudly unvaccinated. 
And the, I mean, the one moral from the story is because I have so many friends, Brian, who got this vaccine against their will, young guys, just like me, young, healthy, athletic guys. And the, the lesson here is it's, it's, it's on you to stand up for yourself and your health and your principles. And when you do that, this whole bureaucracy just falls apart. It's a scare tactic and you need to stand up for yourself. And when you do, they end up backing off. Helps if I turn myself off mute. You know, it is super important um, for us to speak values. And this is, it goes back to something I was talking about when I was up in Wisconsin speaking to some business owners was they asked, you know, is it tough to talk sales and to talk politics, especially in such a hyper, a hyper um, polarized world? And I, I paused because I didn't really expect the question because I was there to talk about cybersecurity. But um, it, it hit me because I was like, no, because if you're your authentic self, and you you focus on on what matters and and you focus on speaking truth then the right people the people that you want as your target market they will they they might i want to say they'll find you because they they will find you but it's going to be easier for them to find you and and that right there speaks to why i think a lot of us on the right have been losing uh, i just listened to it was uh, jeremy boring he did his uh, speech to daily wire um i cannot recommend enough to folks to go listen to this this uh, little talk he did because there is one part where he outlined what's what's been failing and for in the the business world it was you had have conservative organizations or conservative entities play the non-profit route oh please donate to us and then just lick their wounds while the left would play the game of corporate uh, governance they're going into disney and coca-cola and name the massive organization and entities that are out there using capitalism using the market against conservatives against libertarians against folks i consider to be allies of the liberty movement and and they're doing it and then they're destroying our ideas behind it and it's time for us to play offense i talked about this a while back about not responding to narratives, setting narratives, and and now it's it's in the world of business, not responding to the problems, but now we're we're, we're establishing alternative solutions, and and it's right there, he's creating the new solutions, creating a different environment where you're helping make the old institutions irrelevant, and that's what you guys have been doing over at the Chicago Thinker, Arthur. I cannot thank you enough for uh, for joining us today. So how about this as we wrap things up, some final thoughts for the audience or words of wisdom you want to leave folks with, uh, and also where can folks go ahead and follow you if they want to go ahead and uh, keep the conversation going. Sure. So you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Arthur underscore underscore long. And please follow the Chicago thinker at thinker Chicago on Twitter. And uh, I think the one thing I'd say, particularly with young folks, is uh, something my personal hero, I think he's the greatest living American, uh, Justice Clarence Thomas uh, said, he said, uh, don't just be a consumer of liberty, be a defender of it. Um, And it's on all of us nowadays to defend liberty. It's not easy. Um, People will come after you for it, but we all have an obligation as Americans to do so, particularly in this increasingly polarized world. Um, Please support us. uh, Read our articles, share. Um, We're trying to do a good job of combating the corporate media. We had a great week last week and uh, we have some great pieces coming out in the next few weeks. And this is just real college journalism, um, strictly in the pursuit of truth. So please support us. Thank you. 
Arthur Long, the Chicago thinker. I will include all those links in the show notes so it's easier for folks to go ahead and find. All you gotta do, go to your podcast catcher, click the Brian Nichols Show artwork. It'll bring you to today's episode where, yes, you can find all those links. You can find Arthur's uh, links and social media. Plus, you can find uh, the entire transcript for the uh, the episode today, plus all uh, 475 plus episodes of The Brian Nichols Show over at briannicholsshow.com. Oh, by the way, if you're a brand new subscriber here to The Brian Nichols Show, uh, do me a favor, do yourself a favor, head over to your podcast app and download all previous episodes so you're not missing, yeah, one of, I think it's about around 500 total episodes we now have there for The Brian Nichols Show that I'm pretty sure they'll leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. That being said, Arthur Long from the Chicago Tribune, Chicago Tribune, the Chicago Thinker, there you go. Thanks for joining The Brian Nichols Show. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.